Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 608, Premier League Week 1 Roundup. Back to the Big Chill Podcast. Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? Yeah, things are going well. Premier League back underway. Well, a weekend of football under my belt, so things feel better. It was a weekend with things to do for the first time in in a few weeks. I know. I was so excited. I woke up as early as I could on Saturday and Sunday to watch as much Premier League as I could. It was very nice. It's also nice because some some years... You don't kind of have all of the major European leagues come back at the same time. And admittedly, it wasn't completely across the board, but like La Liga coming back, Liga coming yeah. back, it kind of felt even better because you really did have a full set of games for, you know, entire days. And even last night, across the, the sort of multiple major European leagues had, you know, five or six decent matches. Yeah. Yeah. A pretty good start for me. I told you I won my first two in-game parlays. I was very excited. Lost the third one, but uh, in, yeah. in heartbreaking fashion. <laughs> yeah, it's good to be off to, I think, I mean, I guess in a lot of ways, it was a, f- the Premier League was pretty straightforward opening weekend. All the favorites, you know, if you kind of think that City, United scraped through in the end, but got there. Uh, Brighton were pretty heavy favorites against Luton. They won yeah. comfortably. Um you know, that an Arsenal winning as well. You sort of would have checked most of the boxes. And, you know, if you were ambitious, someone like Newcastle, you could have thrown in. So it's it's the other leagues that were a little bit less predictable with Barcelona drawing and f- failing to score in their opening match of the season and PSG drawing nil-nil as well. That wonderful and Benfica, PSG. <laughs> and, and Benfica lost last night. So there were, there were, there were some, some minds in and amongst the European leagues, but Premier League was kind of went to form. Yeah. And actually some really fun matches to watch. So Friday uh, with City was a good one to watch. And then uh, Liverpool-Chelsea, I thought it was a great match. Uh, pretty back and forth. I mean, I, for a second, I thought Liverpool were going to cruise. And then all of a sudden, I thought Chelsea were just going to just gonna sweep it up in five minutes. And then next thing you knew, it was a, a, a pretty even match the rest of the way. Yeah, I think both teams will come out of that with some negatives, but also some positives, particularly Chelsea on the back of such a bad season to feel as if they can, it looked like they could compete with... I mean, they scored. That's yeah, got to feel already great. an improvement, <laughs> yeah. And, and again, also having fallen behind, and especially there was the disallowed goal that would have put them 2-0 down at that point, it was having been sort of somewhat confident in their chances this season on the preview... I was in feeling an instant bit of regret at Me that too. stage. I was like, oh, this is when they almost went down 2 0. I was like, oh, man, this Chelsea team sucks. <laughs> but yeah, but they have bounced back enough that I think there's there's encouraging signs them for them there. I mean, by the time the, the window is over at this rate, they'll have signed another 25 players anyway. So we don't know what the Chelsea team will look like. Over the but, 1 billion number now in the yeah. last, what, three years, I think it is. Yeah, I mean it's it's remarkable. I mean, we've got Simon Jordan and others coming out and trying to praise them with how they are 
exposing loopholes in the financial fair play system. Uh, it's getting, you know, some accountants really excited about how you can, you know, manage depreciating assets and deal with those. I mean, it's <laughs> it's interesting when people who love sports can get so into a particular topic or a particular sort of team that they then will look into something that they otherwise would never would be bored to death by. You know, like the fans who will be pouring over sort of end of year uh, statements, you know, like, well, what was the profit loss like? You know, how, how, how were they, you know, registering that asset over the course of the last 12 months? All of that suddenly football fans take a keen interest in, yet you ask them to look over a spreadsheet relating to their work, couldn't be bothered. Yeah. I mean, Eddie, you, you did, of course, leave out Arsenal, who looked pretty good for most of that match. Yeah, although, I mean, there's a few teams who have some bad news coming out of the opening weekend. Arsenal are not alone in that respect. It looks like Timber will be out for a few months. He has a, it's reported he has an ACL injury. So that's Oh, it's reported he has an ACL. Oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Good news for him. He still has an ACL. <laughs> so there, that will be a concern. And obviously for them, on the back of you know, they haven't made a lot of moves in the transfer windows for one of their new signings to be out, to instantly be out for a few months will be disappointing. Obviously, the really big injury news from the weekend is Kevin De Bruyne, who looks like he's going to be out for for four months after picking up an injury. Yeah, a hamstring injury, yeah. Which, which raises the debate, as we discussed off podcast, is this an Eddie curse? Because you asked me the question, what would it take for City to not win the title? And the first thing I said was a serious injury to Kevin De Bruyne. Is I think that... you said a left hamstring injury to De Bruyne <laughs> in the opening match. I th- I'm I think almost I did... positive that was what you said. <laughs> I think I think I said season-ending injury early in the season. So this is certainly doesn't qualify as that. But I mean, the always the concerning thing about a hamstring injury, right, is he could yeah. do that now several and times I, over the course of the season. I, I didn't read fully into it. Isn't this the same hamstring he injured during champions league final anyway? So like it, it already is kind of showing that it could be a nagging injury that could last longer than expected. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, again, the city are so lucky in the respect that they have such a big squad that they can manage him to a great degree, Yeah, you know, and they can be in a position where he doesn't need to play in most of their matches interesting thing will be to see if this affects their transfer activity over the final couple of weeks. Like, is this a sign for them to go out and, and, and pick up another kind of creative midfielder? You know, they've got good cover in the central midfield, but they tend to be more of the workhorse defensive midfield category. And this might be the, the moment when they now go out and pick up someone who can kind of run the show a bit more from them. Or they or change this, the way they play. Is this Phil Foden's time to finally step up and earn those five years of trophies or whatever it is that he's gotten? <laughs> I mean, it could be, but he's still he's not going to slip fit in in central midfield, right? Yeah. So they they can they're going to they have, have to shift the game plan a little bit. Yeah, and they have enough quality and enough enough depth that they can easily do that. It's just you know, do you really want to go through that process? These early season injuries, you know, they are not the same as getting 
Kevin De Bruyne missing the final four months of the season is way more impactful than Kevin De Bruyne missing the opening four months of the season. For starters, we're only a couple of weeks away from an international break anyway. So whenever yeah. uh, it's always whenever people talk about like he's going to be out for a month, it's like, okay, so he's actually out for two weeks of the Premier League season. Like this is not as bad as you're kind of making it sound. So already you, you kind of get that and, you know, he'll, he'll have two international windows in the time that he's, he's out. So it's not, it's not catastrophic. They don't need him for the Champions League group stages. You know, there'll be some Premier League matches where they will miss him because he is a big difference maker for him, for them, but they'll be okay. I don't think this is going to derail the season just quite yet, but in the formula that could lead to City not winning the title, this is, you know, item one. And if there's a Holland injury that follows not far from now, long from now, and another couple of injuries, then, you know, it could become become an issue. Wow. I had no prompt in asking you about that one. So if that happens, we know it's a Hewitt curse. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Speaking of Holland, Eddie, did you see the new statistic he has now earned in the start of this year he is the first player ever in premier league history to score both the first and the second goal of the entire season (laughs) (laughs) okay it's it's super specific but yeah i guess it's kind of interesting i knew you'd like that (laughs) it's also different because it's only in the last few years that they've had the like opening night fixture yeah previously there would have been a number of matches going on which would have made that a lot harder exactly but a great stat nonetheless (laughs) another one to put on his uh mantle speaking of holland eddie i know you like to do a little trivia and get quiz. I saw on Instagram through my uh, just running through some of the reels yesterday, uh, a video of someone nailing about 15 of the top international goal scorers for their respective country. So he was given a country and he named who the top goal scorer was for that country. You want to give some of them a shot? <laughs> okay, so it's just the top goal scorer of that particular country. Just one yes. for each. Yes. Okay, I can I can give it a go, yeah. Okay. Portugal. Cristiano Ronaldo. Argentina. Oh, I'm going to say Messi, but I feel less confident in that one. Messi. Poland. Lewandowski. Yep. Belgium. Oh boy. I'm tempted to say Lukaku, but I'm trying to think. I'll say Lukaku. Lukaku. Okay. Brazil. Uh, Ronaldo. No. Not Ronaldo. Uh, is he still playing? Yes. So it's Neymar. Tied with. Another Is the other player still playing? No. Uh, Rivaldo? Romario. Oh, Pele. How can I not there name Pele? <laughs> that's, that's ridiculous. You're doing much worse than this guy did. <laughs> I got one wrong so far, technically. But yeah, keep going. Okay. Uh, uh, that's an embarrassing one, though. That is kind of embarrassing. 
Germany. Uh, okay, this is this is an interesting one this because they have they have a player who has the most goals in World Cup history, World Cup finals history, but I doubt that he is the Can you give me a second to think on Germany and can we go to a different country first? Okay. Trinidad and... No, it's kidding. <laughs> Dwight York. No. <laughs> really? No. Nope. The all-time leading goal scorer for Trinidad and Tobago is not Dwight York? Stern John. Oh, shit. Uruguay. Cavani. No. Suarez. Suarez. Ireland. Uh, Robbie Keane. Yep. Uh, ooh, Ivory Coast. Um, Didier Drogba. Yep. United States. Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, yep. Clint Dempsey. Tied with. Um, what's his name? Big forehead kid. Um, Landon Donovan. Yes. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll do a few more. Um, France. I, uh, Giroux, isn't it? Yeah. He, he broke out recently. Netherlands. Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Patrick Clivert? No. Dennis Bergkamp? No. Uh, Ruud van Nistelrooy? No. Oh, boy. Uh, is he currently playing? No. Is he a forward? Because like, I don't know if I'm going to go down this sort of Aryan yes. Robin route. It's a forward. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. I don't think I'm... Robin Van Persie. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a bad one. Okay. Um, Wales. Uh, Ryan Giggs. Uh, Gareth Bale. Yep. Shit. Uh, here's a... Finland. Finland. Uh, oh. Yari Litmanen. Recent. Recent. And he's Finnish. Come back to this one. You should know that one. Do you want to go back to uh, Germany? Germany? I'll give my guess on Germany. I'll go with the fact that he scored so many World Cup goals. So I'll, I'll go with Miroslav Klose. It is. Okay. He played forever yes. too. Okay. Finland is recent. Yeah. I mean, technically still playing, but giveaway, he's now uh, in the MLS. <laughs> Timo Pukki. Yes. I'm trying to think if I can think of any more cool ones here. I'm surprised you didn't you didn't test me on England. See if I embarrass myself. 
<laughs> oh, I think that one's <laughs> off the table. Okay, uh, Mexico. Ooh. Chicharito? No. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah under yeah. his real name. I'm yeah, assuming. I know. <laughs> Hernandez. Took me a second to click. All right. Uh, Australia. Tim Cahill? Yeah, nice. Do you know that for your hatred of Millwall? <laughs> I never was a huge... I respected Tim Cahill. I was never a huge fan. Even at Everton, I was never a huge fan of his. I didn't like the punching the corner flag celebration. I always found it kind of annoying. But <laughs> yeah, Not too bad. Pretty good. I did okay. The Brazil one is embarrassing. And actually, I think the thing is... I'm reasonably pleased with some of the more obscure ones that I got, yeah. but I missed. I tried to keep it mostly European. Not being what able to get Chile. Oh, sits right above Van Persie and Cahill in, in total goals. Really? Yep. From Chile. Give me a second to think of that one. You okay. Chile. Oh, is it? Is he also? Is it Alexi Sanchez? Yeah. Okay. It's it shows you how stupid, in a way, though, the all-time goal scorer listings are because it so much favors modern players and just the amount of football that's played. Yeah. Like the fact that you only have Pele of the names we've gone through uh, as anyone, you know, outside of the last twenty years. Miroslav Klose is kind of impressive. I mean, he's going back a while, but at the same time, Germany haven't had any truly great goal scorers since he's left. So he's kind of been fortunate in that respect. In fairness, in the top 10, there are several that are older, but they are from not very well-known countries. Well, I mean, the, the the big one is the Iranian. Yeah. Who Ronaldo only recently surpassed. Yeah. In the, Number four in the, on the list is Indian. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this... Number five is Malaysian. Number six is Hungarian. Uh, oh, one more. I forgot. I forgot a major European. Spain. That's a pretty good one. Uh, I mean, again, it's tough because it favors... Got to think of how it favors the recent players. Is it a forward? I just lost it. Uh, yes. Raul? No. David Villa? Yeah. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, yeah, I'll do okay on those questions. As I said, I'm just embarrassed myself with the, particularly with not saying Pele. That's a terrible one. And not being able to think of Van Persie is bad, even if that wasn't my first guess. But I mean, for listeners, this would just teach you, like if you're in a pub quiz and it's a question along these lines, you have to name a player from the last 10 years. Like don't get, don't overthink yourself and come up with some smart ass answer of a player from 1970s. Like just don't overthink you know. it. 
Yeah, just be like, who's I mean, the, the most? Lukaku is the golden example of that. Yes. <laughs> or, or, or even Alexi Sanchez. You're just like, who's yeah. the most famous Chilean player? That's probably yeah. the answer. Yeah, Giroud as well. I think Giroud is just really surprising for a country that has such a history. Yeah, for I mean, Mbappe is going to break it. Pretty, yeah. Mbappe is breaking that within like three, four years, but it's a cool thing for him to hold for a short period of time. And, you know, when he broke it, you got to see that really emotional video with his brother. Yeah. I don't know if you saw that on social media. Yeah, I think I did, Cause it, yeah. Because his brother was like a, you know, wanted to be a good foot, wanted to be a professional footballer and then had his career derailed by injuries. And then he told him, there was like a video message where he told him that in his eyes, he was the greatest player in the world. His brother speaking to Giroud there. It's nice. I, I wouldn't take it seriously. You know, like it's a little <laughs> bit like your it's like your mother telling you you're really, really great at something. You know, you can't you can't really take it to heart. So I guess wrapping up Premier League. Any so major overreaction, week one. Any predictions or anything that you'd like to alter or change? So if I was going to go for the biggest overreaction, it would be that Manchester United looked really quite bad yesterday. And, and so. Wait, are you saying they don't look good? Or are you saying that's an overreaction people are taking? Well, both. They didn't look oh. good. And there are people definitely overreacting to how poor that performance was. And they got lucky. Obviously, they they probably should have given away a penalty in the final minute of, of injury time when Onana kind of lost lost the plot a little bit and came out for a cross he probably shouldn't have gone for and just smacked a uh, a player in the head but you want I I'll give you my overreaction yeah that I'm on board with mm. Newcastle are going to threaten for a title yeah I think that's an overreaction but again I think in a sense what they showed I mean, we're going to find out really, 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 really soon because <laughs> yeah, they play although, City next week. Although, but e I guess even then, it's it's going to be a Kevin De Bruyne it's too early, right? And yeah, they. I mean, they drew with City at the beginning of last season as well. It doesn't. I you can't judge City based on the form they show in September, October, November. Like it's not what matters. It's you just know over the course of thirty-eight matches they will go on possibly two runs of winning 10, 11, 12 matches in a row. Like that's how they're going to get you. So people will city. I'll say this now to listeners, city are going to drop points at some stage in the opening six or seven matches, possibly multiple times. And then people are going to overreact <laughs> to that fact that is definitely coming. And it might be start with this, like in a sense, I hope Newcastle don't beat city because then we are going to have to listen to a couple weeks of, Oh, you're listening to me. Yeah. They're they're my they're my new team now. <laughs> but I do think reinforcing what we said in that kind of predictions and preview episode, they are just going to be very very good at beating anyone who's worse than them. Like there's yeah. no they are just ruthlessly efficient and they are have a I like the mentality, man. They're kind of like they're kind of gritty, a little mean, <laughs> you know, like they are they're physical. It was I watched almost all of that match and it was they're a fun team to watch. I mean, they their defense is physical, you know, like they they play really fast. I loved watching them like it was it was that was a good match to watch. 
Um, I was impressed. Yeah, no, they they were probably the most eye-catching team from the opening weekend, I guess. I mean, Brighton were impressive as well. And it's, yeah. and you know, you kind of always expect that maybe there's going to be the season where everything doesn't work for Brighton. They only beat Luton, but they did look very good. Uh, aside from that, I mean, I guess if I wanted to give other overreactions based on the predictions I made, Nottingham Forest looked all right against Arsenal. Yeah. So I have them going down, and I guess that's probably not the performance you want to see from a team you predicted to be relegated. But it's the first week of the season, so I'm not going to read too much into any of it. Do you want to change your opinion on Holland? (laughs) They already got two in the hole. (laughs) Yeah, no. No, because in a sense, I almost... (laughs) I love it. I love that you just bite every time. You can't not respond. (laughs) Because the other thing I did see was I saw Alvarez start. And, you know, the other part of the reason why I thought he wouldn't break his record is because I think Alvarez is going to become increasingly involved. And to a certain degree, I don't know how to interpret what the Kevin De Bruyne injury will, how that will impact that. There'll be one part of me thinks Kevin De Bruyne out, they'll play, they will rotate the rest of their squad less so that the kind of that drop off is not as exposed. Then the other part of me thinks they now have to more selectively manage when Holland plays to a, you know, to a certain degree. So there is a greater chance of Holland being rested while De Bruyne is out as they make sure that for big matches, they have to have Holland available now. Whereas they maybe could have thought as long as we have either Holland or De Bruyne, we have the two players who are real game changers for us at the moment. So that will be the interesting one to kind of monitor obviously against Newcastle. Holland's going to be playing, you know, no doubt about it. Right. So, but no, I'm not, I'm not going to change my prediction. All right. What else do we have to overreact to? I guess in a, in a transfer update world, there's some speculation that potentially Mo Salah might be going to Saudi Arabia, that he might be the latest domino to fall he obviously makes a huge amount of sense being the most high-profile uh, player from that region of the world. So, you know, it's I'm sure someone that's high on the list for the Saudi league to land. But he also signed a new contract with Liverpool. So unless they are really willing to pay and truly outrageous sum of money, I, I can't see it happening. But we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah, I didn't have much else. Um, and NFL season. Well, and Neymar, Neymar did sign. Oh yeah, for the Saudi That's for true. Saudi Arabia, he signed for Al Hilal, I think it was. So uh, that's another player. Saudi Arabia seems perfect for him. There's some players who well, did, I'd be critical of. Did you see some of the stipulations? I forgot about that. No, I didn't. So some of the. The supposed perks in his contract, he has a private plane at his disposal any day. He has a a mansion given to him with a full staff 24-7. He has an 80,000 euro bonus for every win, every team win. And $500,000 or 
bureaus for every post or story he puts on his social media that promotes Saudi Arabia. Wait, are you serious? <laughs> Supposedly. <laughs> I guess that's within, they've probably agreed to a set number there. Like he can't just one day wake up and post 55 times and then invoice them. Like there's obviously a, hey, you're going to post one, you know, like twice a month promoting Saudi Arabia and in exchange you're getting 500,000 per post that must which that bit doesn't surprise me because that's probably what it costs to advertise on you know like to get a paid tweet or post on from Neymar anyway like that doesn't seem that outrageous to me but in a sense most of those clauses don't surprise me like I would have obviously expected them to get him a, a house and staff that would have just been a given. And the plane, yeah, that I would have kind of expected that too. I mean, they don't care about the oil costs. Right? Do you think he still just lives in Paris and then just commutes every day? <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> I think, no, but I think he'll be, I mean, he'll be in, back in Brazil a lot, right? I mean, he was he's spending a ton of time in Brazil, even playing for PSG. He'll still go, go to Carnival. He's going to still have the injury in february that sees him in brazil for three months like there's no now he has even less incentive to not do that but the real question that comes out of that is like psg do not look like with the current squad that they have there is a real possibility that they could even not win the league but certainly they don't look like serious contenders in the champions league which, I mean, we've never really considered them to be in the past anyway, but you, you kind of at least had to mention them. Now I, I see no reason, it, certainly until they solve the Mbappe problem. Like if, if you're not going to have an engaged, involved Mbappe for the remainder of the season, this is a team that, that looks there for the taking if you're in Marseille or, or any of the other kind of aspiring French clubs. And certainly there's going to, if you're going to, going to, the Champions League group stage draw, that's now a team you want in your group. That's, they're not a group of death, you know, no. member. I, I mean, I didn't watch the match, but when you look at the stats, it wasn't as if it wasn't one of those classic PSG absolutely dominated and missed seven goals, you know, hit the post four times. It just looked, they looked pretty flat from the, from what the stats could tell and what the commentary that I saw you know, that's scary. If that's how they're drawing matches and it's not the, the classic, they should have won by six because then when, at least when they had that, you knew that they were going to drop these random matches in the domestic league. But then when it came time, the champions league, they would step up and at least put in an actual effort. But if this is their effort, then come champions league, like they're, it's not going to be scary at all. No. And they're betting a lot. You know, like Dembele coming in and being a, you know, a, a effective player for them. I mean, he, there's a reason why Barcelona were happy to see the back of him. Uh, I mean, part of that obviously is financial, but he never really made a major impact there. So, and even for France, he's not always looked particularly great. So, yeah, they don't have, it is a seriously weakened team at the moment but then there's every chance that they go out and sign someone for 50 100 million euros in the next week or two and and things could change but yeah they do not look 
anything special right now. All right, NFL news. What have you got? I don't got much. I have an interesting, uh, not even a statistic, but an interesting fact I read the other day. I don't know if you had seen, but people were talking about the Niners and the NFC uh, championship game they lost. And I don't know if you saw, but it was surfaced. Do you really, do you really think I didn't see this, Frank? Philip Rivers was prepared to sign with the 49ers if they had won that NFC championship game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like the headlines that came out of this are a little bit misleading because it makes it seem as if like the 49ers contacted him mid-game to say, yeah. hey, <laughs> do you think you could play in the Super Bowl? Whereas the reality is... No, see, the, here's the reality. The reality is they contacted him and said, hey, can you make it here by halftime? If, if only. <laughs> They, they might have won that game. But, I mean, the, the true sort of series of events is that when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt, they contacted Philip Rivers because that was obviously before they felt confident in Brock Purdy. So they were looking at the reality of Brock Purdy potentially not being very good, and they needed someone they thought would, could, be, could get the job done. And so Philip Rivers was the person they spoke, they reached out to, to say, would you be interested, or one of the people, I suppose, we don't know who else they reached out to, would you be potentially interested in playing for us? And he said yes. And then they stayed in touch with each other over the remainder of the season. And obviously that means that in all likelihood, had they somehow won that game after Brock Purdy got injured, then he would have been the starter in in the Super Bowl. That would have been a huge... I would have loved to, in a sense, have seen that drama because even in reporting this story, a lot of people have overlooked it. Like Jimmy Garoppolo was supposedly days away from being able to play. Like yeah. it was already controversial <laughs> that he kind of didn't suit up for the end. That he didn't play. Yeah. yeah. So for for the idea that if he had become healthy again and been that they would have brought Philip Rivers in to play instead of him, that would have been. I mean, of all the Super Bowl stories in recent years, I think that would have been as big of, as any of them. Yeah. Oh, man, I would have loved, loved to see Philip Rivers in a Super Bowl. <laughs> just the just the interviews alone of leading up to just, you know, like him just randomly showing up on the Niners for a Super Bowl would have been so good. Yeah, we were definitely denied some interesting interview questions and some... I mean, the issue, the major issue there is there wouldn't have been enough hotel rooms for his, for his family. family. Yeah, <laughs> it is true. But And then the other Niners quarterback news, right? Brock Purdy has has the, the starting position locked down, is, being expect, is expected to be fit and ready to go for week one. And it looks like, at the moment, Sam Darnold will be the backup. That Trey Lance. Well, that's because Trey Lance looked. Awful Trey Lance is going to be <laughs> in the first game in the third spot. I will still be intrigued because you know they did bring Trey Lance in, even at the, like last season, in some creative ways to kind of exploit the threat that he poses in the run game. I'd be interested to see if he. You mean the sack game? If he's still. If they just want to get an eight-yard loss, they just bring him in. Sometimes the game's too easy. 
You just move, move, move them back for eight yards. Open up. You know, sometimes the field gets too short. You can't get really creative in the play calling. So Got Trey it. Lance comes in as the X factor, takes them back. It's like when they talk about in golf. Sometimes you don't want to be too close to the green. You know, actually being 50 yards away is more awkward than being like 110. And Trey Lance is there to help the Niners solve that problem in football. Yeah. I mean, did, did not look good. Four, I think he was sacked four times, and he had a touchdown pass that was uh, how you call it a touchdown pass and not an interception with a fumble for a touchdown is so debatable. But <laughs> oh, it's just how good he is. Yeah. Defenders scared to catch the balls he throws. <laughs> it looked as if the defender was playing hot potato with the ball. <laughs> On the cricket side of things, some news that I'm sure is going to excite you. I don't know if you saw it, but with the cricket one-day World World Cup on the horizon and with England set to confirm their squad for that World Cup tomorrow, Ben Stokes announced that he has come out of retirement for (laughs) the one-day one day squad so he is available for the world cup and you have to assume will be included in the squad which is interesting yeah where is it again india it's gonna make tough tough viewing (laughs) for yeah um no it won't be that bad for you it'll be like middle of the day Mm -hmm. mostly for you it won't be it won't be terrible it, i guess it depends the day night games like the prime time games which will be day night in india will be early morning but not like you won't have to wake up at ridiculous times of the day i'll be able to see the end at least yes you'll be able to see all of the second innings of every match if you want to first innings for some of them might be a bit tough but yeah yeah it's not too bad you only really want to watch the chase anyway chicks take the chase so what else do we have for all the sport coming back this week, it's been yeah, relatively quiet. Yeah. I mean, you have a few weeks until NFL officially kicks off. So then things get a little crazy with NFL and European football all at once. But yeah, otherwise not too much. On the I started watching Perry Mason. Okay. I watched season one. Oh, that's interesting because I'm just... <laughs> started re-watching or I never finished the Americans I, I gave oh, up I right, gave up go. on the Americans kind of season I think there's six seasons I gave up like during season five and I didn't really give up it's just like one of those shows where at a certain moment in time you just sort of stop watching and then you never yeah. start again so with a lack of things to watch I'm finishing the Americans so and during it I thought to myself Oh, you don't see what is his name? Matthew Reese. Matt Matt Reese. Yeah. Like, you don't see him that much. But Perry no. Mason. But people love him. Yeah, he's one of those guys people are very happy to see. Yeah. His Perry. And I think I I'll tell you that's another story that makes him look better is that he's married to Carrie Russell. The woman in Yeah, Carrie Russell. Yeah. Yeah. Why does that make him look better? <laughs> I don't know. I think that's like like people love that story, you know, like, oh, and he met his wife on the set of the show that they both like broke out. I don't on. know if it makes him look better, but what it is, it's one of those annoying facts everybody has to tell you, even though it's like super common knowledge. If you see what I mean, like especially when the Americans was big, 
everyone had to say, you know, in real life, yeah. they're also a married couple. It's like, yeah, we've, we've, we've all, <laughs> we've all got this by now. Like, had, this is not, this is not some secret that they've been hiding from the rest of the world. Yeah. Yeah. The, Perry Mason is a good show. It's, uh, it's got like that 1930s vibe to it. So it's pretty cool. They do a, they do a decent job of kind of getting that atmosphere. It doesn't have, so it's HBO, but it's max. So there's a little distinction, you know, you can tell there's a little bit of a cutoff in the, in the budget. So some things kind of look a little cheesy, but for the most part, it looks pretty cool. And they do a good job with like the set design and the costumes and stuff and the way they talk, some of the things. Like I think like yesterday, I called someone a rube. <laughs> so a good word. Like, Did you just call him a rube? And I was like, yeah, I haven't watched a lot of Perry Basin. <laughs> the other one the guy uses a lot is Boyo. <laughs> okay. That's a good one too. What do you got for me, Boyo? <laughs> so I want to start using that one too. <laughs> I have a TV show to recommend. No longer being made. So this is. Uh, so it's not only murders in the building. No, it's an Australian TV show available on Disney oh. Plus. Three seasons. Uh Oh, it's called Mr. Already a warning sign. It's... Disney Plus. Well, no, 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 it's not a Disney show. I guess it was just okay. picked up by, you know, it's, it's on their streaming falls into their sort of it's called Mr. In Between. It's excellent. Okay. He's a. What's it about? It was no spoilers. He's synopsis. a kind of like muscle for hire hitman who. Okay. Also, you. I mean, he also get to see his personal sort of day to day life at the same time. Hence, the kind of Mister In Between name. So you both see him at work, but you also see. It's a sort of Barry esque, but less. It has humorous moments, but less absurd. But not a yes. comedy. It's definitely a comedy, but it's it's oh, not okay. absurd. Like you okay. could kind of it's realistic humor. You know, like you could see if you told me. I mean, again, imagining it's totally real life, probably not. But whereas Barry is impossible, right? With just how extreme everything got, this is actually somewhat realistic i suppose so if you liked barry you probably enjoy mr in between might require for our american listeners may require subtitles i guess that's the one the one thing yeah other than that i start i watched started only murders in the building but it's only every two episodes a week i think or one episode a week now i don't know so um so far it's okay I think I think it's going to be one of those shows that starts to run out of steam. Like season one, it's really cool that Steve Martin, Martin Short and Selena Gomez are like this quirky, odd couple. And then season two, it's like, oh, they're back at it. And season three, it's like they're still fucking friends. <laughs> <You> know, like... <laughs> I mean, the premise is right. But I've never watched it. But the premise is that they are only like solving murders that occur within their building. Right. Isn't that the. Yeah. Which so they did they actually had a good joke about it for season three. Okay. Cause cause season one, it makes sense. And but yeah, yeah, as you go on, again the premise becomes more and more absurd. But I mean that's most yeah. crime shows, right? I mean it's how people are. Yeah. But they kind of tie into like they they like 
acknowledge the absurdity of that. And there's nothing wrong. So I mean, fun. everyone always makes fun of in the UK a show called Midsummer Murders, which is set in this like rural, idyllic village in the middle of nowhere in England that has horrific crimes occurring on a weekly basis that are being solved. And that's not supposed to be like a, a humorous TV show. It's just, hey, this is the murder capital of the world. And it just happens to be a village, a rural village in England. And no one addresses the fact that a lot of people die and get murdered there. Like the next week, it's just on to, isn't life great here? I mean, why can't they just bring back Broadchurch? I love Broadchurch. <laughs> David Tennant, Olivia Coleman. Come on, you can't beat that. <laughs> now, it's been a while since I've brought up any of the Instagram phenomenons that I'm being just bombarded with on whenever I look at reels. But I have a new one. Uh-oh. What is it? <laughs> Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly worried even if you mention it. say it that my phone's going to hear it. And then now it's going to pop on it's mine, annoying. like your stupid marriage yeah. ones that I get all the so time. So the marriage now. ones are annoying. This one isn't annoying. It just confuses me. Like, it just makes me question society a lot, which is it's the attractive women cooking. You know, like the the girls who just cook and they just show you themselves, like chopping all the vegetables, telling you what the recipe is. It's sometimes done in a somewhat seductive manner. And it just... What kind of weird fetishes are you into? <laughs> this has nothing to do with... I, I'm going to know I got a lot of... There's going to be a lot of lit- listeners who are aware of the type of... of uh, now, this accounts. isn't the, the ones I get that are annoying. I don't think this is what you're talking about is the what I eat in a no. day. And it goes through like... And you're just like, oh my God, look how much they eat in a day. Yet they're so healthy looking. No, it's not that. Those really. I do me. see those too, <laughs> but those those are more geared towards the like fitness account thing. Yeah, that's why I get those a lot. These are more. It's like a cooking video, but instead of it being someone you would necessarily respect for their cooking ability, they just replace that with an attractive girl who will be like, <laughs> and then be like spaghetti carbonara, and then. Like now, is it like is it is it like a sports movie where the actor can't play the sport, so they have to zoom in for like the chopping, and it's just like someone else, no. definitely different hands doing the chopping. No, I do think I do think it's genuinely the person doing everything. I don't know how, and I think most of the time these are sort of at least started as independent accounts, so the person is probably interested in cooking. But their popularity and success has definitely been driven by how they look and perhaps their willingness to show cleavage while they cook. So the, it's, it's being intentionally framed, right? Like you're watching them cook, but there is a very noticeable background <laughs> image. And it just confuses me as to who this... like. And when you read the comments, I mean, it just makes you lose faith in humanity because the comments are just a mixture of just horny guys and trolls. Like it's one or the other, you know, like just trying to make a joke out of it or someone who's genuinely like, DM me, DM me. Like, I want you to show you who thinks that they're going to read all the comments and be like, wow, this guy really loves how I make my pasta bake. So I better DM him. But 
Now, do you think that person who asks to be DM'd, do you genuinely think they think there's some small shot? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I mean, not every time. Or is it they just want the attention of someone being like, you're an idiot. She's not going to DM you. <laughs> no, they definitely. I mean, put it this way, not to throw Vass under the bus. I'm sure Vass has done that. And I'm sure Vass. Now, if you're that person, is the game plan, you just do that all day to every single video you see like this and see if you can get a hit? I think you'd be torn because there would be the shotgun approach because you think they're not going to see most of their comments. So you need to be very present if you have any chance of being seen. Yeah. But then you also... What's the strike rate on this? Zero. (laughs) (laughs) Never. Has never worked yet. (laughs) No, there's no chance. Sliding into the DMs, maybe. I'm sure that works from time to time. But commenting on a relatively famous person's post with like DM me or like that, oh, I think I could help you. There's a lot of people too offering help, you know, as if this person who has a pretty, you know, a channel with like an account with 1.5 million Instagram followers is all of a sudden going to be like, do you know what? I do need some help with editing my videos and I better check the comments to see if someone out there is super skilled. Oh, look, this 16 year old boy who has 200 followers is definitely going to be the guy who's going to help me grow my channel. Like that makes perfect sense. Anyway, not as annoying, just kind of weird. You know, the internet will regularly make you question the world at large. And this is one of those that just, I don't know who, the thing I would really like to do is have a deep heart to heart with the person making the content and be like, are you really trying to make useful cooking videos or are you just happy to know that this is like wank bank material for some pervs out there on Instagram? Like which, like, you know, which way deep, deep down when you put your head on your pillow at night, do you think to yourself, another great cooking video went out there. I bet you people are going to love that recipe or my breasts look great in that shirt. That one's going to go viral. I'm going to say no comment. <laughs> <laughs> I'm leaning towards option B. In a similar vein, I saw a cooking video yesterday where a group teamed with Gordon Ramsay to make the Guinness Book of World Records largest beef Wellington. How many pounds... Or kilos, do you think, to beef Wellington? Was? I mean, it doesn't, I wouldn't think it had to be that big to break the world record because it's just, you know, how determined it's such an obscure one. Um, I'll say you want it in pounds or kilos? Which one do you? Either one. I'll go, I mean, I think they're going to make it big just to try and, I'll go 20 kilos. 25 kilos. It's big for sure. Yeah. At the same time, like if it's it's obviously not a single piece of beef, does it? So they take multiple pieces of filet mignon and then they use like this meat glue, that's like a super dangerous glue. You're like it's like because it like just binds proteins together, so you can't get it on you or like in your lungs and stuff. So they do they use that to make one giant piece of meat, 
and then they go from there. They missed a real opportunity to just fuse Gordon Ramsay with a beef Wellington. Just, <laughs> just have him just off his forehead, just have 12 inches of beef Wellington just poking out. Yeah. It looked pretty good because they first cooked it sous vide. So it actually was cooked because obviously if you put that just in an oven, there's no way you're cooking through before your puff pastries burnt to a crisp. So they kind of like pre-cooked it a little bit. And then uh, Gordon Ramsay was blown away. He said it tasted amazing. Don't know. Other last little piece of news I've got. Did you see the American tourists who were arrested for falling asleep on the Eiffel Tower the other day? No. Yeah, two drunk American tourists uh, on their way down the stairs of the Eiffel Tower climbed over some section. I don't quite, I can't quite visualize exactly where it is they went, but there's a uh, sort of part, sort of part of the way down. I suppose there's an access that's only supposed to be available to staff and security. And they climbed over that bit and then just drunkenly fell asleep. I think they're making out that they drunkenly fell asleep. I think we can't rule out the possibility that the original goal was to stay overnight on the Eiffel tower. But they're definitely playing it off well that they were just drunk and being stupid, which is believable. And they then had to be yeah. rescued because they couldn't. They couldn't get back to the stairs. Yeah. And so they oh were then rescued. So that they supposedly will have. Uh, they would have. They were late Sunday night when they did this because they only went started going up the Eiffel Tower at about 1040 at night. So it would have been close to when the Eiffel Tower kind of shuts down. And then they were rescued at about six o'clock in the morning. With Paris prosecutors saying they appear to have got stuck because of how drunk they were was the official statement. But (laughs) that wouldn't be a place for me. I wouldn't particularly want to be stuck. Yeah, that's uh. That'd be scary. I couldn't do that. I mean, I don't even, I've never been up to the Eiffel Tower. So the thought of the stairs make me nervous. So I can't do the elevator because I've got my mild elevator phobia. So I've been to the second floor because you can climb that. So I've done the stairs. But to go to the top, you need to use the elevator. And whilst I've worked hard on my elevator phobia over the last 20 or so years, that's, that's too much for me. Like, I I legitimately don't think I could live in New York. Like, the idea of regularly having to go, you know, dozens of stories up in an elevator would just be, I think, pretty much unmanageable for me. That's weird. Yeah, I just, elevators. I didn't know you had an elevator issue. It's not major. I mean, you've definitely ridden in elevators with me, and it doesn't, like, bother me. But the idea of being very high in an elevator or in certain elevators. I hate an elevator that I can see out of. That's a, I don't oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. I don't like that either. Whereas I'm very happy to be on a stair stairwell that I can see out of. Like I can, I don't if like you that. took me out of the elevator and just put me in the stairs, it doesn't bother so, me. But the elevator. Okay. So, so then if you, oh, okay. That's kind of strange. So if you were just like going up to the hundredth floor of a building. So if you told me 
you wouldn't like the elevator ride up, but then if you got to the hundredth floor and it was like floor to ceiling windows, I'd be okay. I wouldn't be someone who wants to sort of stand right up against the window, gazing out into the world necessarily, but it wouldn't, I wouldn't feel uncomfortable being on that floor. Like if you told me I have to make it to the top of the empire state building and I have unlimited time, I would much rather walk than take the elevator. Like the elevator is going to bother me. I'm going to feel genuinely uncomfortable in that elevator ride. I can do it, but I would feel uncomfortable. And that's in part both based on the fear of the elevator falling, which whilst I know is unrealistic, it bothers me, but I've also been trapped in elevators and that was just such an awful experience that I want to avoid that. And the, t- the first time I got trapped, I got trapped in an elevator in Paris once for like two and a half hours. And that was because I was going to the floor of someone's apartment to meet them. And I wasn't sure which floor I was on. So I, I knew I was, I was supposed to meet them on the fifth floor. And I knew I was either on the fourth floor or the fifth floor. I kind of zoned out while I was walking up. And there was no labeling of the floors in the building. And so I thought what I'll do is I'll definitely walk down one floor and then get in the elevator, hit five. And no matter what, I'm I'm either going up one floor or two floors. I got into the elevator, hit go off. It went like halfway up between the two floors and stopped. And then I was stuck <laughs> for two and a half hours. The fire department had to come. They had to like manually crank the elevator up to the next floor, which was absolutely terrifying. And then you didn't want to get out. (laughs) I wanted to get out as fast as possible. It was glass. So I could see everything that was going on. And also the person who I was meeting kind of came out. It was, it was not a pleasant experience. You're reading the, the firefighters lips. It's like, I don't know if he's going to make it. (laughs) Now the most terrifying point of it was the first thing, you know, you call the emergency button on the elevator and that just put me through to someone in the building who was not in any way part of the sort of security, was not qualified to be dealing with an emergency in the elevator. I'll put it that way. And they just came and verified that what I was saying was true. So they just like walked up to the elevator like, oh yeah, you are stuck. And then said, I'll just try and press a lot of the buttons for a while and see oh, if that no gets way. you know. And I was like, I do not like this. <laughs> like no. I, do, I do not like some random idiot just bashing buttons on every floor hoping that this I think there's goes. a master switch on the roof. Let me go check. Yeah. <laughs> and then after about 30 minutes, he said, wait, we think we got to call the fire department. And yeah, I mean, it was not enjoyable. Didn't, you know, relatively straightforward, but was not enjoyable. Being cranked up like three, four inches at a time in an elevator is not, is not. Did you establish a bathroom corner? (laughs) It wasn't that bad. As you know, I've got a pretty big bladder, so I was fine. No emergencies were had. Yeah, I guess that's, that's pretty much everything I've got. Yeah. Well, I guess with that, we'll have to call it a day. Yeah. Talk to you later. See ya. Cheerio.